Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Mr. Ethan Data Truther Sachs. Ethan, I see you putting your head in your hands here. I've got a bone to pick with you. You posted a screenshot to Twitter of your your top drafted commons, and I got to say, it's a little little embarrassing for the podcast. I don't under, but like, and you never replied to my excellent rebuttal, which is very true and will segue nicely into our first segment this week. But like, I did, I've done nothing wrong here. I'm sorry that <laughs> I was able to draft the best deck and the best cards in the best colors for many weeks that my top drafted commons are Dunlin Krebine, uh, Mortar Muster, Smite, and Rally. Like, those are just good cards. And Generous Ent creeping in at number five, showing how I'm veering towards in the <laughs> in the latter half of the format's <laughs> lifetime. But like, if I had Gimli's Axe in my number one spot, you would also tell me that the podcast was over. So I can't win with you. You're right. You can't win with me. But I, I just want to know. I, I don't know how it happens because you've been drafting Green Legends nonsense forever. So is it just, is it a fun in the streets data in the sheets situation like what's going on here no i think it's weighted from like the first few weeks is my guess you just haven't recovered from that i think so because like i mean remember when and i guess i don't know if if 17 lands counts mobile drafts like i guess you know i know it doesn't count mobile drafts if you like do them offline or whatever but if you log back in it'll like you know add your record to the thing or whatever on your on your desktop um i guess i don't know i assume it doesn't like it is also not picking up any of my mobile drafted comments so a lot of my first couple weeks you know i played a lot more on the computer to like be focused etc um so i think that's part of it but yeah i think it's just a couple weeks of like those colors and cards were open i, I why are you mad at me i don't get it i'm not mad at you there's just a, a little bit of a little bit of disappointment you think, you think I'm putting on a front when I post these like, oh, man, I got look at all this ring <laughs> no. tempting I'm doing. And then I'm just like, OK, but then drop and redraft <laughs> red black aggro. You think that's what I'm doing? No, not at all. I just didn't literally know how it was possible with how many legends decks I've seen. Like, I was wondering how much you've drafted in total, like that that was the case. But the mobile drafting thing makes sense. I would yeah. like to say that my money is where my mouth is. My top blue commons are I, top commons overall, all blue. Treason 1, Lorien Revealed 2, Birthday Escape 3, Gloria Scale 4, and a red one sneaking in there, Rally at the Hornburg 5. Yeah, that checks out for you, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I just don't think, like, I don't think it's in the cards for me to get Great Hall or many partings up to <laughs> up to the number one or the top five spots there. Generous End creeping in at number five, I think, sort of shows where my where my heart and where my head is at these days with the format, which I is like pretty, pretty sweet. Like, I don't think we've had a chance yet really to just talk about like our enjoyment of the set. You know, like we're very focused on like, well, if we like it or not, it doesn't matter. Like, here's how you win or here are the niche things or whatever. Like, this is a really good set, like especially coming off the heels of the two Dungeons and Dragons sets we had the past couple summers. Like, this isn't even in the same conversation in my mind. This set is really good. I think ring tempting specifically is an A plus mechanic. Um, it's very cool that it it is snow it, like it could be super snowball-y, but isn't, but has the potential to be, has play in both aggressive and controlling decks. Like I think ring tempting is excellent. And I think this format, especially now that like it isn't just a four color set like I was afraid it was in week one. Like I really thought green was unplayable and certainly don't feel that way now. Um I think this is I'm having a blast so far. Yeah, this format is incredible. This is the most fun I've had. I think in the most I don't want to say basic because it's not basic, but it's no. also not complex in that the cards don't do crazy things. This feels like a return to a simpler time in magic, you know, where there's not like a billion words on every single card, but yet there's still a lot of complex and interesting decisions. There's a lot of complex decisions during the drafts about where you want to go. And there's a lot of agency, I think, too, which is part of why it's fun. There's a lot of agency in the drafts and a lot of agency in the games. Which we'll get to take a look at today when we're looking at a full 45 draft log. We're going to walk through one of Ben's uh, entire drafts and, and talk about all the picks and the implications and stuff. And and that I think that idea of agency carries over to 
sealed, which we also haven't really talked about and probably don't have a, a need to talk about after this weekend. But, you know, leading up to this weekend, we're recording on the 16th of July. Um, this was the Arena Championship Qualifier weekend, which was limited. And there were some sealed events to qualify for said qualifier, which I participated in on Friday, did three seals, best of three seals um, to qualify for the weekend and then did the the run on uh, on Saturday yesterday. Uh, only made it to 3-2. But one of the things that's really interesting, I think is, is generally a boon for the format is that you, it's not like other sealed formats where you feel like you open a pool and you go drop and redraft, right? Drop and reopen because so much of the power in the set as a whole, is that common or uncommon? You don't have to worry about, sure, if you open a Bowmasters or a, a Faramir, good for you, but that's not generally going to make or break your sealed pool. But the power is going to be there at common or uncommon. I think in every pool, you can find something that works, you know, just maximize your ring tempting, etc. That does lead to a lot of repetitive gameplay, I would say, <laughs> in the sealed runs that I did. But yeah, I think the sealed format was pretty fun from what I could gather. And it was fun to know that like you could find something good out of your pile of cards no matter what. And that's good for those like high stakes things like day one or day two of these arena championship qualifiers. For sure. Yeah, I tried half heartedly to qualify. I did a couple runs and didn't queue and didn't feel like beating my head and my gems against a wall to sign up to potentially play magic all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Like, I would like to play on the pro tour at some point in my life one time. Like we've talked about that, but yeah. like going seven, one twice is yeah. pretty tough against the top competition in the world. It's yeah, it's bonkers difficult. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's so funny. It's a different perspective that you and I have. Like I like qualify. I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Like the qualifiers sort of high stakes. And then like, you know, Saturday will be fun to participate in some high stakes limited. I messaged Ben. I was like, Hey, are you qualifying? This weekend and he was like nah i didn't want to like try and qualify to like play seal all weekend on saturday and sunday and that's the difference between you and me is you're like well i'm gonna make day two because i'm great and i'm like <laughs> i'm, like, I'm, gonna, not I'm gonna fizzle out two two on day one no worries you know it's uh i'll have the rest of my saturday free for sure that was not how i meant that necessarily it was more i think the sentiment was i think you and i the last time we day two was together yes and i felt incredible after day one, and then opened like a mediocre pool and got out instantly on day two. And I was like, Oh, my whole I wasted my whole Saturday, like, I would just have more fun drafting, like, mm. just drafting and streaming. I think that outweighs the whatever 1% or like 0.5% chance or whatever the number is that I, you know, I would qualify or something. Yeah, that's fair. It definitely felt more exciting getting from day one to day two, then potentially getting from day two to the end of day two, because that just feels really, really impossible. So yeah, I definitely think about it like, oh, it'd be cool to get to day two, but nothing beyond that. Um, all right. So we're going to talk, like I said, mostly about a full 45 draft log. We've got a little bit of something else to, to do before we get into that. And of course, we got some housekeeping to take care of right now. So first things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limiters, where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Um, I, I shout it out each and every week. The Discord, which is what everybody gets access to via the Patreon, is the best place to go to for limited tech support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and you know, I said this, I don't know, a couple months ago, and people People have been pretty faithful to it in terms of I like getting tagged in the discord. I know I don't, I don't always get to stuff immediately, right? Time zones are a thing, but it's fun for me to wake up in the morning and have like a few deck techs to take a look at a few. What's the picks, whatever people want me to review a game replay. All of that stuff is awesome. And you get access to that with, I don't know, is there hundreds, if not a thousand people in our discord at the moment? Like, and not all of those people are, are in incredibly active, but it's a really excellent place to give advice to get advice i just can't say enough good things about the discord um a lot of great stuff uh, as well as you move up the reward tiers on the patreon page with access to the show a day in advance access to show notes if you want to see the the show in written form a little bit and access to coaching sessions monthly with me or ben if you move all the way up the reward tier ranking so if any or all of that sounds of interest to you head on over to the patreon page and we of course want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join so this week we are welcoming max tyler henry and cameron Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc. CoolStuffInc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock 
We're getting to the point. We're going to be moving on to some new product here soon. But right now, still Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth booster boxes. If you haven't picked up your box to put in your closet yet, what are you waiting for? Do it now. Now's the time. Check out code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything in the store, including your booster box. Or, you know, maybe you're a board game family and you want to stock up some sweet new board games for the closet next time you have friends over. They've got all kinds of things over at CoolStuffInc.com. And we want to make sure that you use code LOL when you check out there, not only to get 5% off your order, but more importantly, on our end, to let CoolStuffInc.com know that we are advertising pros for them. That's right. That's right. We are really encouraging people to buy their product and get it nice and dusty in a closet. That's right. uh, that's what we get to do. <laughs> okay, so as you know, as Ben and I do, as as the week progresses, you know, we record on Sunday, give ourselves a few minutes. It's sort of like the life cycle of like Saturday Night Live, right? You know, the, the the episode releases, there's a bit of downtime, and then on Monday or Tuesday, they're back in that writer's room figuring everything out, you know, and, and that's how we are. You know, um, Wednesday rolls around, we with the DMs start start coming in. Okay, what are we going to do for the episode? And there's been quite a bit of data scuttle in our Discord. I think I think Ben has leaned into his data heel nature, and I think... <laughs> I think that has that gets under some folks' skin, and so they want to push back against Ben, and that only makes him more powerful uh, <laughs> in the eyes of the people who enjoy perusing the data and, and figuring out what it has to offer. Um, and I just sit back and watch the world burn a little bit. And so, one of my thoughts for this week, because I, I in my you know brief stints of streaming this week, have been getting some pushback about some of my pet cards, which are quite low in the data power rankings, I was like, here's what we'll do. We'll just look at all the quote unquote bad cards in the format and tell everyone why they're good. And that'll, that'll show them. And Ben was like, okay, great. Are there enough of those? I was like, for sure. And like five minutes later, I messaged him. I was like, there's not really enough meat on this bone for a whole episode. Maybe we can get like a small segment out of it. So it turns out that, you know, game in hand win rate, for this set seems to really uh, mostly show what cards are worth playing and which cards are, are worth avoiding in my mind, except with the rare exception of, I don't know, we've got about a dozen cards here. And I'd say even this dozen is stretching it a little bit in terms of um, how many cards I wanted to shout out. But we did want to take a look at some cards that that are kind of just underappreciated by folks in general. Yeah, I would say not necessarily good or not necessarily looking to play these, but all have a home for the most part. So I'd say that the big one, and I have this down in the list because I sort of went from like commons to uncommons to rares, but the, the one on this list that still sort of baffles me, I believe this is the low, still the lowest ranked white uncommon is Tale of Tenuvial. This is a card that you and I have been champions of, honestly, since the crash course. I think I gave this something like a B grade. I think it might have been one of my top two white uncommons. I really like this card. This is a white saga, three white white. Um, for a saga, it comes into play, you choose a creature and it's indestructible for as long as Tale of Tenuvial is on the battlefield. Then chapter two lets you return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then chapter three gives uh, up to two target creatures you control lifelink until end of turn. Do you know what's wild? I haven't played this card since like week one and a half of the format. And not because I don't like it. I just haven't had it in a deck in a long time. Why? I guess I don't pick it quite highly enough. I expect it to wheel and it doesn't wheel, maybe? Yeah, I think that's fair. I do think I expect it to wheel and it doesn't always, um, though I will say it reliably does, especially now that I'm getting into this kind of white green legend soup life as much as I possibly can. Tale of Tenuvial is, is awesome there and, and I feel like slots in nicely and is a card you can get pretty late. But it's a card that I often get questions about when I put it in my deck on stream. And like, we've talked about it on the show already. So I don't have anything new to say, except like, this card is really good as long as you're not like a hyper aggressive red white deck, like outside of very aggressive white decks. One, uh, one copy of this is really good. You just got to try it. Like it stops the game for two turns with the indestructible clause. Getting back a land cycling creature is really good. Not Eagles of the North. I don't think this is great with Eagles, but obviously getting back a generous end is phenomenal here. Um, if you have any other ways to get creatures in your graveyard, like a quarrel's end or something, that's fun too. But I think just getting back to those, those big land cyclers is awesome. And then lifelink really catches you up. It's three... Three things that are not necessarily worth the five mana, but all together certainly are. Yeah, I think I would want 
a couple good land cyclers before I was really excited about putting Tale of Tenuvium on my deck. So you have to do a bit of work, but I agree. Just would generally co-sign that this is a card that you should be playing in any non-hyper-aggressive white deck. Well, and even, I, I agree, you get the best bang for your buck with the land cyclers, but even with something like, you know, in your white-green Legends deck, if you've only got one copy of Frodo, then you really rely on that card a bit. Like, that's a really good threat for you. That's a really good way for you to consistently get ring-tempting. So I'm totally fine to just put Tale of Tenuvial in a deck with one Frodo and be like, hey, if they kill my Frodo, then I, I am happy that I have at least one way to get it back. Yeah, I hear that for sure. Moving up one one spot in the white uncommon power rankings talking about these Legends decks is you cannot pass. Uh, this is a single white instant destroy target creature that blocked or was blocked by a legendary creature. Um, you know, I th- didn't think this card was going to get there in the crash course early on. And again, this is still a pretty situational card. Um, so I'm not surprised that it has a low win rate, right? But I do want to shout out that in the Legends deck, this is excellent. As long as you have a lot of Legends and a lot of Ring Tempting, which is, you know, these are, those are boxes to check for sure. But this is so cheap and and really, really efficient in those decks that I, I would encourage you to, if you're navigating into that kind of a deck, to look out for this card. I don't like it quite as much as you, I don't think. So here's a question I have for you. Are you spending a real draft pick on this card or are you just assuming it's always going to wheel? And if it wheels, great, you're probably putting it in your deck. Yeah, I'm not. It's not like a signal for the deck. It's not something I'm taking over, you know, top commons, better removal, etc. But when I see it, you know, pick six plus in a pack, I'd say that's usually when I can snap it up. And I, I again, I, I've definitely left it on the sidelines of some decks. I've definitely left excess copies, right? Happy to play one, not looking to play multiples um, in, in decks. But yeah, you can get it pretty late. And when you're in the deck that wants it and you can get it late, that's pretty powerful. Yes, I would agree with all that. I think the issue I have with it is that it kind of depends on your opponent. And I generally don't like my interaction to depend on your opponent's decisions. So I, I would agree. Like if I had a In bunch what, of other... Wait, do you think people are going to play around this? Because they don't. Not, not play around it, but like if they have a Faramir or something. Like they're not putting Faramir in combat, right? So you sure. Never, like your removal spell is not like... And in that way, it has drawbacks. So like if I had a bunch of other good removal, yeah, I could see leaving this on the sidelines. But certainly if you're wanting more interaction and this for a single mana... Certainly does the job. Yeah, and like I'm not taking it over the first copy of Banish from Edoras or whatever, for example. But you know, at a certain point, that card is expensive. Certainly gets the thing dead and exiles it. But at a certain point, the flexibility and the cheapness of this card is nice. I agree. Um, I, I had an, a couple of the green cycling cards. I'm, I'm curious your, your thoughts. Have you been playing any Elven Farsights? This is the single green Scry three. Then you can reveal the top card of your library if it's a creature. You draw it. Have you played that card very much? I have played it in probably three to five decks in the whole format and it's Mm -hmm. been truly excellent in a couple of the green legends decks yeah where it it kind of helps fix your mana like sometimes Mm -hmm. you have galadriel and you care about the scry three like it's not a blue green card for me it's a green legends deck with a high creature count to help kind of fix your mana and sometimes you care about scrying stuff from some of your sweet Sweet legendary rares. Do you have a sense of what your minimum creature count is before you're happy with putting this card in your deck? And I would say I've only ever played one copy of it. I like I've had options or opportunities to play, you know, two plus copies. And I, I don't it has a similar problem to the green cantrip that we had uh, in the last set, Seed of Hope, where the like multi- more of that copy dilutes the hits that you have for this card, you know? I've played two copies and I think my minimum is 15 creatures and I've I've whiffed and also not felt badly about whiffing because I had so many other ways to accrue card advantage that the whiffing didn't matter much, you know? Well, especially because and I, I have whiffed as well. I think I can, I can only think of one time, but it didn't feel bad because I was like, great, that's like three lands to the bottom. And I didn't want any of those either. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Lothlorien Lookout. And I also have Nimble Hobbit on this list um, as, as two mana, one threes. So Lookout is the green one that when it attacks, you scry one. Nimble Hobbit is the white one three. Uh, when it attacks, you can pay two in a white or sacrifice a food uh, to tap a creature. Um I just, I'll shout out again, and and, and these are all cards really that slot into this green-white legends deck in a way. (laughs) That's what this whole list is. (laughs) Sir, please, except for Gimli's Axe. We'll talk about that again in a second. Um, 
<laughs> Gotta give the people the real tech. <laughs> Gotta give the people the tech. So the two mana one threes, they're just, they're good bodies in the format. They block. Like that's one of the, the big takeaways I have is that like X ones are really bad in the set. Like, you have a, have to have a really good reason to be playing X ones that aren't just, you know, one, one amass tokens or human tokens, whatever. And similarly, these one threes are good bodies. They block ring bearers nicely and they attack as ring bearers very nicely. Um, and the bonuses here of, you know, I've certainly activated Nimble Hobbit for lethal. I've certainly loved getting to, to smooth out my draws with the lookout. Certainly loved getting some scry synergies rolling with the lookout as well. Uh, I just think the, these low win rates kind of surprise me for these cards um, just because I think they have homes and I think they're pretty low opportunity cost. Again, I'm not looking to pick them up highly, but but as curve filler, they're they're certainly better than other options in the two drop slot. Right. They're curve filler. They're like the preferred curve filler cards. They're not color gear survivors, but they fill a similar role in the decks. Man, Pelliger Survivor, like <laughs> what, what a card. What a card, right? Like to go from just two mana, one, three in blue that taps to add a colorless mana for spells that was like pretty bad before to, well, well, how about if it was any color? How about if it helped you splash? And how about if it was kind of a win con late in the game if you wanted it to be? Well, and also I just think the, the cards that are around it being good as well. Like the yeah, fact yeah. that five mana draw three is a good card again. Correct. All right, it's time, Ben. Gimli's Axe. (laughs) Let's go. I have to talk about it. This is, uh, it's two and a red for an equipment. The equipped cost is two, gives the equipped creature plus three, plus oh, and if it's legendary, it gets Menace. I I don't get it. This card, like, it's a meme, I guess, now that I'm, like, in defense of this card. If you are a red aggressive deck, a one-of copy of Gimli's Axe, is going to do work in your deck. And I especially like it because Quarrel's End is so good. So in the spots where you're like, eh, this isn't really a good time for it, you can always pitch it. That's fine too. Plus Ring Tempting lets you pitch it. But like in conjunction with Ring Tempting slash Legends, like plus three, plus oh, and Menace is what I'm really excited about. So in conjunction with Ring Tempting and Menace, and in conjunction specifically with the Lancer, the one one that already has Menace, that then they have to block. And that's going to let something else be a ring bearer. So it's legendary. This card is good. Sorry, bud. And I then was like, <laughs> then was like, I don't really think Gimli's Axe is very good. Oh, but I am just dying to it right now. Like <laughs> you can't have it both ways. I was losing to it. I maintain that it's not a good card. I, the argument I would make against Gimli's Axe is that it is horrifically clunky. Like I think that is indefensibly expensive to equip and certainly powerful like if you get it equipped and your opponent has nothing what do you mean indefensively expensive to equip two is indefensively expensive i just think playing a card like that lets your opponent die play you (laughs) die die immediately i'll play you like hith lane knots or a smite the deathless or any timely removal spell like setting you back multiple turns because you're trying to equip gimli's axe as opposed to do other things it just feels like similar to Oliphant. Like, if your opponent sticks an Oliphant and you have nothing, like, it's kind of a problem. But I think Oliphant is terrible for a similar reason in that, like, you're tapping out for six mana, praying that your opponent does nothing to your Oliphant. And then if they do nothing, like, you're probably, like, in a pretty good spot when you swing with your Oliphant the next turn. I just, like, I feel like a lot has to go right for Gimli's Axe to be a good card for you, including, like, things on your end with your curve as well as your opponent having nothing. You just like don't draft aggro decks in this format ever. So I don't think it's fair for you to have an opinion about this card. Uh, that's fair, except I would argue that I don't think it's a good aggro card. It is. <laughs> I'm out. That we can see each other. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. Well, we may be able to, to kiss and make up here with the next card. Revive the Shire, Ben. 51.8% game in hand win rate. Can you defend? Oh, absolutely. I have data to prove it, right? From the Lords of Limited Discord. <laughs> That's right. It's all my data, but we have like 100 instances in blue, white, splash green and blue, black, splash green where Revive the Shire shoots up to like a 66 and even a 70% win rate, I think, in one of the two color pairs. But yeah, this is a real card, I think, in my Bath Song Brews where you want to splash Revive the Shire as a way to rebuy Bassong. And also what you mentioned in Green White, like I don't mind playing a copy of this in the Legends decks when you only have a copy of Frodo or a copy of Bilbo. A lot of times this is similar in the blue decks to um, Treason of Isengard, where it's kind of like a, a multicolor rebuy, whatever you need, card draw spell, removal spell, whatever. 
this is a get back whichever legend you need that your opponent has tried to kill. Yeah. No, I, I'm in for sure with Revive the Shire. And the stats back it up question mark is this like your yosha declares war <laughs> i think so i think i'm responsible for a lot of the data yeah. yeah i've got a couple more like legends cards slip on the ring which we've maybe talked about a little bit but like rebuying etbs saving stuff i think slip on the ring and revive the shire do similar ish things in the legends decks to me like they're they're similar of like save a creature get an effect right the food from revive or the ring tempting from slip um so Thinking about it that way, like it's not a card that I'm interested in in uh, in aggressive white decks for sure. But I do think Slip on the Ring has a home. The other card I want to shout out in tandem with Slip on the Ring is Dreadful as a Storm. It's two and a blue for make a creature a five five ring tempts you. Also a card that I think like would fall under the like quote unquote bad type of combat trick, three mana, whatever. Anything that has ring tempts you on it. And we've said this before, but even cards like this that are pretty situational or pretty seemingly low impact, once you get six instances of the ring temps you, like every other instance is so much more valuable. So, and specifically Dreadful as a Storm, like insane in Blue-Red because it plays along with what Blue-Red wants to do, which is, you know, get in unexpected damage on the opponent's life total and make things the ring bearer to make your opponent's life total you know, threatened and difficult to protect in from a variety of different ways. Like it's very hard to play against that deck and slip on the ring, I think can have a similar effect. I have a couple times now that I've not gotten bath songs as much. I think blue white can operate similarly to blue red as a, a low to the ground ring tempting deck as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I had uh, dreadful of the storm in my sealed pool yesterday for the championship qualifier. Um, I sent my my build and my pool over to two duck cubed. He was online. and I was like, hey, can you just like take a peek at this? Let me know what you think. And he's been just like crushing with blue red a ton on the ladder. That's his favorite deck. Um, and that was the base of my deck. I was splashing a couple things as well. And he saw the dreadful of the storm in the sideboard. He was like, got to get that in there. And I was like, OK, I'll, I'll trust you. It was excellent. Yeah. And any instance of ring tempting, just really, really solid. Shout out to DeFore as well. We talked about his tweet um, about green decks in the format and Mushroom Watchdogs being really good in tandem with many partings. I did have a chance to play Watchdogs really for the first time in a deck that had some nimble parting, some other ways to make incidental food. And it was really excellent. Like it's just a growing threat. The vigilance is really relevant when you get to sacrifice a food. It was also fun to like, uh, it was also fun to play with in the sense of like not over sacrificing to like make sure you still had one for the next turn to keep it having vigilance and being able to attack. Really think if you've got excess ways to make food that the watchdogs has a home. Well, and there's decks too that have Mary, right? That whenever a hobbit attacks makes food, it's definitely possible to end up with like seven food tokens that you don't really have time Correct. to crack at any good point. And those are the decks that really want mushroom watchdogs i think it in green white i think it is a better two drop than nimble hobbit and lothlorien lookout assuming you can make the food from many partings and other stuff like that and the last card i want to shout out on this list i think is is as ben said before we started recording the only good card on this list is is peregrine took and this is at 52.7 percent game and hand win rate and i have to imagine this is being dragged down by green in general in, in the stats as in the same way that some black and red and even blue cards are boosted up that aren't as good um, but this is the uh, three mana two three legendary creature at uncommon um, whenever you make any token any amount of tokens, if it's human, if it's a mass, whatever, if it's food, you make a food token in addition to those tokens, and then you can sacrifice three food to draw a card. Kind of shocked to see this so low in the stats. I am also shocked. This pulls me into green at this point. Like I would rate it as a B minus. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. I think this is just excellent. It has you know inherent synergies when you're doing the base green legends, whatever, splash all the good cards decks because many partings makes food. Um, this is this is the card that kind of makes many partings feel as close to a tune with ether as we might want it to um, because that that extra piece of cardboard in the food token can be used to draw cards. Um, yeah, so there, there's not, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned with like the bottom of the game and hand win rate stats on 17 lands, there's not a ton of, of secret gems, but there is a handful. They're mostly tied up in this Legends deck, which we've certainly talked about ad nauseum on the show, but, uh, but it's a favorite of mine. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's take a quick ad break and we'll be back with a full 45 draft log. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Ben, I don't know if this is public information yet, but you've got a big new addition to your life. Yeah, that's right. I pulled the trigger on buying a house. Woo! It was a big decision, and I felt, I I decided I was not going to make an offer on this house, (laughs) and then there was an open house, and I went again with my mom, and I was like, all right, I'm going to make a lowball offer, and then I, like, decided on a different number than my mom and I had decided (laughs) on, like, to make an offer, and then I was like, ah, it's fine, it's not going to get accepted, and then the offer got accepted, and I was like, oh, all right, I bought a house, then was excited, and then I was like, oh my god, what did I do? I just ruined my life, and then, like, I feel good about it again. It's tough, right? Sometimes in life we are faced with tough choices. The path forward isn't always clear. And, you know, we like to have decisions that we feel 100% about, but oftentimes the biggest decisions in life you don't feel 100% about. And talking things through with someone you can rely on, like a licensed therapist, can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. It was really helpful for me to be able to talk through my decision with people in my life that I trusted and ultimately go with what felt right for me. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, so a little behind the scenes here. Uh, ben threw out that we were going to do a full 45. I was like, great, sounds good. He chucked me a couple draft logs. And in defense of him, the one that I was like, I kind of like this one was one where he said train wreck draft and put uh, <laughs> and put the link. And I was scrolling through and I was like, I think this is good. Not, I mean, I think a train wreck draft probably has our listeners going, ooh, I'm, in, I'm excited about that. I've train wrecked before. But also, <laughs> but also like, the thing I like about this is I think it's so emblematic of there's not a lot of spots where you have a right pick. You have a pick between a few cards, and it's not about which is the right one. It's about what does taking this card imply for the future picks I'm going to make. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is an interesting draft for sure. So sit down, pack one, pick one, and see the following cards as options. There's the aforementioned Peregrine Took, two and a green for the two, three. And if you make a token, you get a food token in addition to that, and you can sacrifice three foods to draw a card. There's Old Man Willow in the pack, which I don't think is really in consideration pack one, pick one versus Peregrine Took for me. But I think is important to note because it has some rippling effects for future picks. So there's Old Man Willow, the two black green for the star star with power and toughness equal the number of lands you control. And when it attacks, you can sacrifice another creature or token to give something minus two minus two until end of turn. There's Minas Tirith is the rare. That's the white legendary land that comes into play untapped if you control a legendary creature. And you can pay one and a white, tap it to draw a card and activate it only if you attacked with two or more creatures this turn. And then I think if you really loved black, uh, the only black common in the pack <laughs> is Lash of the Balrog. So I think it is defensible to maybe say, I'm going to plant my flag in black and take this Lash of the Balrog and pass no black commons to the left. So that's the black sorcery destroy target creature. Then you can either pay an additional four or sacrifice a creature. Yeah. I mean, again, I think you have decision points here about what you want to do. I wouldn't say that Anything is wrong here, like Minas Tirith, Old Man Willow, Peregrine Took, even Lash, as you said, I think are are all defensible options. I'm with you on taking Peregrine Took out of this pack. I see that's what you selected. I like that. One of the main reasons I like it, not only because it's so powerful, is that at common, you've got an Enraged Horn and a Generous Ent in the pack. Um, that's the Land Cycler and the uh, five mana, four, five Trample when the ETBs the ring tempts you. I think it's very possible that you wheel one of those two out of this pack with like how people feel about green these days. And if they don't wheel, that's also information for you, right? So like if you are navigating your draft in a certain way and then Old Man Willow and those two green cards are gone when this pack wheels, well, then you know and you hopefully will have gotten that uh, that signal earlier than, than this, than pick nine. But that'll definitely let you know, well, I probably shouldn't draft that for the seat. Right. That's one thing I was going to shout out about starting green is I feel almost good about starting green in a sense because it's so easy to abandon, right? Yes. Like, whereas when you start with Dunlun Curbane, like you can get sucked along by <laughs> the, the medium black cards. But like if you start with Peregrine Took and there's no Woe's Pathfinder, there's famine. no Jeremy. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's, it's apparent, obviously, and I think you are more likely to get hooked up in green and then if not great you audible to the good colors quite easily because they're so 
deep. But I have also gotten myself in trouble starting with a green card, you know, over a black card. And there's a Dunlin Corbain in the next pack. And you, you feel like there is still some tension there, but I, I feel fine about starting with Peregrine Took. Yeah. And I think took Peregrine Took here with the hope of what you said, wheeling Old Man Willow or potentially Generous End. Mm-hmm. All right. So Peregrine Took, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options, pack one, pick two. Again, a lot of different directions you go. There's a Torment of Gollum. Three and a black, look at target opponent's hand. They discard a non-land card of your choice, and then you amass orcs two. There's my fave, Lorien Revealed. Three blue blue for sorcery, draw three cards, island cycling one. There's Banish from Edoras. Four and a white for the sorcery, exile target creature. Costs two less to cast if it's targeting a tapped creature. And then in the uncommons, there's Golem's Bite. Black for an instant, target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn, and you can pay four and exile it to have the ring tempt you. Yeah, and this is sort of w- what you were talking about, right? It's it's easily not a green card out of this pack, so you just get to take what you think is the best card in the pack, and for me, that's Golem's Bite. That is Golem's Bite for me as well. I think pack one, pick one, I might take Lorien Revealed over Golem's Bite, but- Good Lord. Lord. <laughs> I'm serious. Good Lord. (laughs) I am serious. But I do think I'm less excited about the blue card draw paired with green. Like that's the one thing I really don't want to do. Yes. I I agree. So it took Gollum's bite. Also a very natural follow up here if we're hoping to wheel Old Man Willow, right? That would work out beautifully. Yeah, but Old Man Willow wheeling is like magical Christmas land. I don't think that's likely to happen. Is it? I don't know. But you should check the Alsa. <laughs> That's never happening. <laughs> never. That'll be my tweet for when you know I've been kidnapped. <laughs> All right. Moving on to pack one, pick three with a Peregrine Took and a Golem's Bite in our pile. See the following cards as options. No commons in consideration here, I don't think. Lost a Legend, pretty good. White, white. Put target non-land historic permanent into its owner's library fourth in the top, but none of that holds a candle to the best card in the pack, which is Book of Mazarbul here. The two in a red saga, chapter one, you amass orcs one, chapter two, amass orcs two, and the third chapter, your team gets plus one, plus O, and menace until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, Book of Mazarbul is nuts. Wouldn't it be great if you could just draft the best deck in the format in red black here? It would. Get those those most drafted commons up, baby. Truly. So this is just like, I, you know, we're a little all over the place and maybe this is now we'll, we'll have this conversation next pack. Yeah, but truly, like I would just be thrilled to to have a, a book and a golem's bite and go Rakdos. Yes, that is certainly what I would be thinking there as well. So moving on to pack one, pick four. Not great here. So there's a rare and two uncommons missing and the commons are all largely terrible, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's a Haunt of the Dead Marshes, playable in red black for sure. That's the one mana one one ETB scry one and then you can return it from the graveyard to the battlefield tapped if you control a legendary creature for two and a black. There's Airborne Flamesmith, which I loathe putting in my decks probably more than I should. Like there's probably some spots where I should actually play it, but I hate that card with a passion. Ethan's <laughs> shaking his head. No, never play it. No, never, no, never play it. Truly, truly. No, never play it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one in red two one that pings your opponent for one when you cast an instant or sorcery spell. And then there's like Arwen's gift as the best card in the pack, I think, which is a sad state of affairs because even I love blue card draw and I am not happy about a potential Arwen's gift pack one pick four. That's the four mana scry two draw two. And it only costs three if you control two or more legendaries. There's a, a couple of colorless cards in the pack as well. I want to shout out Inherited Envelope and Lembus. Um, Envelope is the three mana, mana rock, taps for a mana of any color. And when it ETBs, the ring tempts you. And Lembus is the the food artifact, uh, enters the battlefield, you scry one, then draw a card and you can sacrifice it like food. And then when you it goes to the graveyard, you shuffle it back into your library. Do you have any thought to, to taking those here because this is kind of a nothing burger pick for you and Arwen's Gift? I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but taking Arwen's gift here, it will be the worst card of the four you've drafted. I would agree with that for sure. So then is there any thought to, I don't really want to get into a fourth color for a worst card and I can just take one of these colorless cards that like, you know, envelope isn't great, but in multicolor legends, it's serviceable. It, It says ring tempt on it, you know? Yeah, I don't mind an inherited envelope. I just don't think either of those two cards are something I'm going to miss. Whereas if blue is what's open and I get Mm -hmm. into blue, I would be likely to want a copy of Arwen's Gift. And I like locking it up early. And also, I I don't think we're three colors at this point. After pack one, pick one in Pippin and seeing no green through the first three picks, like I am a thousand percent off green. So like here I'm black, red and worried about 
potentially like black red being cut. So I want to give myself avenues to pivot into with the Arwen's gift. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're, you know, even though Arwen's gift is your worst card, per- Peregrine Took in a way is your worst card because you haven't seen anything worth taking for green. That could be pack texture, but that also is likely to be someone in your business close to your right. Right. Well, and we also have no white cards either, which is what I would want to pair ideally with Pippin. Like, so I, I am the furthest away from Pippin, I think. And I could see pairing Arwen's gift with either Gollum's Bite or Book quite happily. Choo choo, all aboard the train wreck. Let's go. What's going on? Pick five. <laughs> all right. So four colors and four picks, you know, easy, easy game. Pack one, pick five. We're hoping to get some direction here. And we see, I think, largely another very underwhelming pack. So again, we're just trying to feel things out. Options are Lash of the Balrog. There's Hithlane Knots, one on a blue for an instant, tap target creature, scry one, draw a card. There's Dreadful as a Storm. We've talked about that, the trick that makes something into a 5-5 and tempts you. And I really think that's it as far as what's in consideration. There's like a Gimli's Fury. There's a Gimli Counter of Kills, but no good cards of any color. Correct. I mean, I think you're just taking Lash here. I want to ask you about Hithlane Knots. It is a card that I have not cast Almost ever. I think I've put it in maybe one deck so far in the format. It was a card that was in my sideboard of my blue-red XX sealed deck yesterday that Carl was like, oh, you should put that in. And I was like, sorry, bud, I'm not putting that in my deck. <laughs> and he, But he unpacked it a little bit more for me. He was like, yeah, you're probably right. Like He's like, I've cast that card a lot. I put it in a lot of decks. He plays a lot of blue-red. He was like, I think sealed different than draft. Like It's not that good. He's like, I like it specifically with Gandalf Sanction. Because it buys you time, digs for sanction, and adds to sanctions count, um, which all checks out for me. I just haven't drafted a lot of blue-red sanction decks in a few weeks. Um, where, where, where are you at with Hithlane Knots? You, you draft a lot of blue. Do you like this card? I love Hithlane Knots. Yeah, I think it's very good. It, it's a two-way player in that... Like it can play defense uh-huh. in that where it says like, you know, tap your opponent's ring bearer that's on chapter four or tap their, you know, clunky war beast of Gargaroth or whatever. And like gains you four or five life while right. scrying you one and drawing a card for two mana, which is reasonable. And it also is excellent offensively, especially in blue red, because that deck's kind of tricksy and a lot of times ring temps up to four or is trying to like get in chip damage and your opponents, you know, leaving back stuff because they're trying to pressure you, right? Because they know the longer the game goes, you're going to draw your, you know, Gandalf sanction or whatever. And it lets you mess up their defensive plans as well for two mana. So sometimes it's like two mana lava axe, draw a card or two mana deal three, draw a card, scry one. And both of those things are are very good for a card that is very low opportunity cost to put into your deck. Oh, so two mana is fine for Hithlane Knots, but not for Gimli's Axe Equip. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> that is what I'm telling you because I'm going to tap down the creature that you equip Gimli's Axe to. <laughs> but what are you going to do about it next turn? Oh, I'll be dead next turn. You'll um, be dead or I'll have another Hithlane Knots <laughs> that I scryed into. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I really want to lock in on one phrase that you said, which is two-way player. And I feel like this is starting to become... This can become a Lords of Limited keyword or like way to describe a card that I don't think we've quite codified yet, but I would like to because it's a really big boon for any card, I think, to be able to be strong on both offense and defense. You know, we think about why Chimney Rabble was such an overperformer and such a surprise is because it let you do both with one card. And Hithlane Knots doesn't let you do both in the sense of that casting it plays both ways when you cast it, but it can perform well in either scenario. And that's powerful. Right. It kind of goes back to quadrant theory like mm. from LR, but usually you're trying to put a card in one of four quadrants, but like ticking multiple quadrants, which is rare, ups the power level of the card even more, right? So like mm-hmm. you're you're great in developing, you're good on offense, you're good when you're ahead and you're good when you're behind. Yeah, for sure. And I do think still like, wait, whatever, if Book of Miserable is your best card. I don't really like any of the red cards here. Golem's Bite is your second best card. I do like Lash of the Balrog a fair bit um, and I would take it here. But this is kind of one of those spots we were talking about where like, what is this? Black's like sixth best common? Like, I know. I, I don't feel great. Like I no. took last year. Looking back at this draft, this draft is probably, I don't know, five or six days old. And I, I was already pretty high on Hithlane Knots here. I'm even higher on it now. Like, Would you today, take it here? Today, I would take Hithlane Knots here. Not because I'm like worried. I was already scared that Black was cut taking yeah. last year before. I just think Knots is a 
better card than Lash now, I think. And similar to Rakdos Gumption uh, from March of the Machine, I I think you can Gumption Blue-Red here. It's really hard to get cut out of some version of a Blue-Red deck. And are you talking about Blue-Red specifically, or do you feel like Blue-X is what you're talking about? I would say Blue-Red. Like, if you want to Gumption a deck, I think blue red's the way to go okay awesome for me I, like i'm happy to end up blue white as well i think hithlay knots is a blue red card largely it does work in blue white too though okay cool all right so took lash there so just to review here we've got took bite book arwen's gift and lash what's going on pick six pick six another weak pack but maybe kind of encouraging for our lash of the balrog pick so there's some black commons there's black breath minus one minus one of the team ring tempt there's Nasty End, one in a black for an instant. As an additional cost to cast it, you sack a creature, draw two cards. If you sacrificed a legendary creature, you draw three instead. No blue commons in the pack. And then a Haradrim Spearmaster is the only red common, the two, three reach that gives something plus one, plus oh. Yeah. Uh, I think Nasty End and Black Breath are both defensible here. I generally am more interested in snapping up the first copy of Black Breath than I am the first copy of Nasty End, but I think I- either here is totally fine. Yeah, took Nasty End because I was still, I think, at this point thinking I'm probably going to be black-red, and I think it's really important for that deck to have card draw in Nasty End. So took the Nasty End there. Mm -hmm. Back one, pick seven. Oof. Yeah, tough, but like we're in the Grixis land still. So again, another weak pack. The cards you see as options are Oliphant, the Red Land Cycler. There's Dreadful as a Storm, the 5-5 Trick. There's Battle Scarred Goblin as a two-drop. But again, nothing that's like worth writing home about here. No, for sure not. Um, I guess you take a two drop here. Do you have any sense of taking Snarling Warg here? The four mana, three, four menace. As long as you have an orc or a goblin, it gets plus one plus O just to get deeper into black. Or do you that's not care? Too bad for me, I think, yeah. as far as black's commons. That's like real bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I, I agree. I just wanted to get your, your sense there. So uh, which of these red cards did you like? I took Battle Scarred Goblin as a two drop despite hating that card. I think Black Red and Blue Red are its best homes, like the, the proactive decks that want to pressure. So I took a Battle Scarred Goblin, pack one, pick eight. Again, like a little bit of mixed messaging here. Hmm. So again, Grixis Commons in the pack, which is a good sign for us. But we're still truly trying to feel out what. So there's Soothing of Smeagol, the one in a blue bounce, a non-token creature with ring tempting. There's Pelagir Survivor, one in a blue one three. Uh, tap to add a man of any color and you can pay six tap, mill your opponent for three. And then the only red common is a breaking of the fellowship. That's the the one in a red creature deals damage to its power to another target creature and the ring tempts you. Yeah, breaking of the fellowship is another one of those cards that like looks clunky, but then you tack those four sweet words on at the end, the ring tempts you and you're like, well, not bad. <laughs> like this is probably one of, if not the worst cards that say ring tempts, but still not that bad. But I, I wouldn't take it here. Pelagir Survivor and Soothing of Smeagol being in the pack these are far and away the best cards in the pack for my money, and I would be pretty intrigued by either of them. Yeah, and I, I landed on Pelagir Survivor, I think, is the best card of the pack. And then, like, wheel rounds out, pack one, pick nine. This is kind of interesting in that Minas Tirith wheels here, pack yeah. one, pick nine. But we've also seen zero white that we're interested in up until this point. But to me, Minas Tirith wheeling is a huge signal. Do you feel that way about it at all? I do feel that way. Well, I was just looking back through the pack as you were like, we've seen no white. We have seen white cards. They just haven't been great. Like you saw Protector of Gondor a couple of times. And I think we could have thought about going the full five colors and five picks when you saw it versus uh, Lash and Hithlane knots. But I don't think that was that was right, actually. But yeah, you just haven't really seen you've seen white cards. They just haven't been good white cards. So that might just be pack texture, you know. But we also know that Reprieve and Stalwarts of Osgiliath were taken out of the pack with Minas Tirith. So it could just be some evaluation stuff there. I don't know. Right. So we just know we're drafting with crazy people. then. (laughs) Well, sure. I mean, Minas Tirith is like, I don't think Minas Tirith is nuts, personally. Like, I don't think you're activating this very much in, uh, in games of magic. So two mana is good enough to equip Gimli's axe, <laughs> but it's not good enough to draw a card? Yeah, because I don't care about that in my aggro decks. Okay, so pack one, pick nine. I decided to pass on the Minas Tirith here, but I, I, this is a pretty big sign to me, again, other than the Reprieve and the Stalwarts being missing. So it took Greyhaven's Navigator because I love that card. That's wild uh, to me that you took Greyhaven. I just have to shout out Greyhaven's Navigator here over Warbeast is wild to me. 
I just, I don't care about Warbeast. We'll be able to get five drops, and I think Grave is never, I will argue this to the death. Like, I, the card that you like and are not, that I'm not willing to budge on is Gimli's Axe. <laughs> I love Greyhaven's Navigator, and you hate it. It's I fine. I don't, yeah, let's go. Okay, all right. We just, we just, I, I think we are not going to agree <laughs> to cards this set. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, took Greyhaven's Navigator, because I like it. <laughs> Red decks. Back one, pick 10, pick up a Banish from Edoras, doesn't matter. Pack one, pick 11, get a Treason of Isengard. 12, we wheel that Inherited Envelope, Gimli's Fury, and pick 14, Haradrim Spearmaster, which is not nothing, like another red creature and uh, something we're potentially interested in. So if we take stock here at the end of pack one, I think we are 100% to be some sort of Grixis color pair, either black-red, blue-red, or blue-black. I think the most likely at this point is black-red, maybe, except we got all this good late right. blue so maybe maybe we're more likely to be blue red that's the thing that i wanted to to shout out because i think taking stock of like where you think you'll go is really important but also like what are your best cards well there's certainly i think your best cards are black and red right i'd say say your best cards are still book of Mazerable and golem's bite um for the three colors that you could potentially end up in but all of the blue that you got i mean you got the arvin's gift fourth but getting survivor eighth Treason of Isengard on the wheel, I think that's like not nothing in terms of bumping those up of what you can expect to see in the future of the draft. Right. And we we desperately, I think, just need a direction, right? We need power level to push us in a direction. Correct. And you get that a little bit here. Pack two, pick one. You see, I, w- I would say pick largely comes down to, now that we know we're in the Grixis colors, comes down to your rare versus one of the uncommons. The uncommon is a Gothmog, Morgul Lieutenant, three and a black, three, three. When it enters the battlefield, you amass one and creature tokens you control have death touch. And Flame of Anor, one blue-red for an instant. Choose one. If you control a wizard as you cast the spell, you may choose two instead. Target player draws two cards. Destroy target artifact or Flame of Anor deals five damage to target creature. Yeah, so we've talked about like when you lock in in a draft. Like this pick, like ideally we'd be picking like a red card here or something so we could keep delaying yeah. the decision, a single colored red card. But being faced with Gothmog, where we're kind of feeling like black is maybe cut and we're not really supposed to be drafting it, versus Flames of an Ore as a blue-red gold card where we just got all that late blue, like this is kind of decision time here. Like there's, it's not easy to go back after this pick. I agree. Well, you'll definitely show us that it's possible, though, <laughs> as we uh, as we get some waffles on the griddle for this great, this great draft. mental fortitude for me to waffle more. <laughs> um, so you do grab the flavor of Anor there. Pack two, pick two again comes down to, I think, a decision between two cards. There's a Ranger's Fire branded uncommon sorcery deal two damage to any target. The ring tempts you for one red mana. And Gollum, Patient Plotter, one on a black for a 3-1. When it leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you, and you can pay a black to sack a creature. Return Gollum from your graveyard to your hand as a sorcery. Right, and with Taking Flames, we signed up to take Ranger's Firebrand here. And I think if you make the Gothmog pick, you're taking Gollum. But I don't think there's anything to consider once you take Flames of an Ore. I think it has to be Ranger's Firebrand here. Correct. And then pick three, you're a little sad because your red option is Swarming of Moria, Tuna Red, Sorcery, Make a Treasure, a Mass Orcs 2. Your blue option is Hithlane Knots, one in a blue instant, tap target creature, scry one, draw a card. And your best option is a black option, that's Dunlin Crabane, two in a black 1-1. One, one flyer when it enters the battlefield of mass works too yeah this is why i say it's hard like this is the instance where you can pivot back towards black right mm-hmm. we're not going to feel terrible about missing a hith lane knots and if black does flow for whatever reason we do want to take dunlin cabrain and we're willing to have missed out on gothmog potentially and the, the pick before rangers firebrand versus Gollum, like we still get Rangers Firebrand, right? We would, likely, yeah. we would likely be black red and still get a card out of that pack. So we only missed out on one pick. I think you're supposed I think it is correct to take Dunlin Crabane here because of the potential gain and versus what you're missing out on. I agree, but you just have to be so conscious of the clock ticking in terms of locking in what you're doing like i agree with your assessment of like the power level gap is too great and we still do have a little bit of time to pivot waffle back to black red here or maybe even no probably blue black is off the table right probably i I mean i got baited into thinking i was blue black a little bit (laughs) 
All right, so pack two, pick four. No blue options here. Bewitching Leechcraft is not on the table. Black option is only Sam's Desperate Rescue, which is fine, but not really great because you don't have a ton of, if any, creatures <laughs> worth getting back. So we're looking at red cards, and that's really Urkenbrand, Lord of Westfold at Uncommon, three and a red for a three, three. When it or another human enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus one, plus oh until end of turn, or... At common, there's a War Beast of Gargaroth, the five mana five four. Whenever it or another creature you control with power four or greater dies, a mass orcs two. Yeah, I think this is a perfect time to pick up War Beast. It's a red card that we're happy to play in either black red or blue red. And I think there's much consideration here, other than that we're kind of sad that there's no black after that Dunlun Crabane. Yeah. So are you already thinking like, okay, Dunlun Crabane was a bit of a, a red herring? A black herring, as it were, and uh, and you're going back towards blue-red? I mean, I'm not quite willing to say that after one pick, but yeah, I mean, I'm a little nervous. And I was you, a little nervous even picking it. Well, the, but that's, that's I think you're saying, well, not after one pick. How many picks do you think you have, sir, before you have to realize, like, all right, the, the, the black dream is dead? I think we've still got time. Little, little time. Ben Werney, ever the optimist. We're, we're diffusing a bomb. The ticker's on like seven seconds. We've still got a little time. This man is, this This is the man who always says, next week I'll have more free time. Next right. weekend I'll have more free time. All right. Pack two, pick five. I know what you're taking and I, I know what you're taking because it's what I'm taking too. And it's, <laughs> it's Lorien revealed three blue, blue, draw three cards or island cycle for one. There's really not much else to consider. The, the only red card is Olakai Crusher, the 4-mana 4-4 four four Trampler that can't block unless you have an Orc or a Goblin, uh, another Mirkwood Bats or a Sam's Desperate Rescue in black. You're taking Lorien Revealed. Yes, taking Lorien Revealed for sure. Pack 2, pick 6, you're taking Stern Scolding. That's a... That's awesome to see. Single blue instant counter target creature spell with power or toughness two or less. That is the best card in the pack here for sure. Yes. Clear best card in the pack, but packs also stacked with white. So at this point I was and feeling it, like maybe was I supposed to have specced on like Minas Tirith and like been blue white or something? Because neither black nor red has felt particularly open here. Like I feel good about blue feeling open, but I'm staring at this pack with Stern Scolding that also has Eowyn, the 2-4 legend that can give something Vigilance or First Strike. There's a Banish. Like feeling a little bit of regret potentially. I mean, we can go back. The best white cards you've seen, pack two, pick two. There was a Prince Emerhill, the fair, the blue white signpost that is a 2-2 that makes one ones when you draw your second card each turn. You're never taking that, though, because there's a Firebrand and a Golem in the pack. And then the next pack, there's a Rosy Cotton of Southlane, which is cute and a good white card. Not really good in blue-white, I would say. Um, but you're never taking that over Dunlin Crabane. So, like, you can't get into white here. Well, if you had to, I think you could. Even if you had if you, taken Minas Tirith, you can't. Like, really? If you'd taken Minas Tirith into Banish and, like, had a super sick read that black and red were going to be cut, maybe? It would have been really hard, though. It's a tough read to make. But I do think it's a, it's worth noting here that in the pack with Stern Scolding and all these white cards, there is no red card to be found. No red card, and the only black card is a nasty end, for sure. But pick seven, I think you, you breathe a sigh of relief as five of the cards remaining are blue or red, um, three of them being pretty dang good. Relentless Rohirrim, the four mana four three, Ring Tempts, a Hithlane Knots, and a Goblin Fire Leafler, the one in a red one one with uh, Smoke Breathing plus one plus oh, and when it dies, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature and opponent controls. Yeah, the issue is this isn't really an idea deal card for our deck at the moment. So our blue-red deck that we're on track for here, which is I think where I'm at mentally at this point, is we're missing a couple things. Like ostensibly we want to be a beatdown deck, but we don't have good aggressive two drops mm. other than Battle Scarred Goblin. And we're super light on ring tempting. The only ring tempting card we have is Ranger's Firebrand, maybe an inherited envelope. So we've got a lot to shore up. So normally you would want Rohirrim, but if you don't have other ring tempting, Rohirrim's not as good. I took Fire Leaper here, but I think largely Fire Leaper's a terrible two drop in most blue red decks. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you grab the Fire Leaper here. So if you could go back, would you take Knots? I think if I could go back, I would take Rohirrim. Okay. Pack two, pick eight. I'm very interested in this pick. So again, happy to see that five of the seven cards remaining are blue or red. Um, there's a second Stern Scolding in the pack. There's a Hithlane Knots, and this would be your first Hithlane Knots. Um, there's also a Cast Into the Fire, the, the red blow up an artifact or deal one damage to each of up to two target creatures. But I think that's not in the conversation with Stern Scolding or Knots. Surprised to see you take Knots here over the second Scolding. I'm, I'm, I just got to get on the Knots train. I think you got to get on the Knots train. I think once you start playing with it more, you'll start appreciating it a little bit more. And uh. again, this is a like proactive versus reactive card. I think most of my cards want to be proactive 
And I think Hithlay Knotts is excellent at being proactive, but can also be reactive. And I think the second Stern Scolding is a lot worse than the first because it is a, a bit of a situational card and we don't have ring tempting. Like if I had five ways to ring tempt at this point, I'd be much more willing to take a second Stern Scolding because you can just you pitch, can pitch it, it yeah. when it's not good. That makes sense. All right. Uh, rounding out the pack, pick nine, you get a dreadful as the storm. Pick 10, fist pump, another Grey Havens navigator. <laughs> I was fist pumping up so mad. <laughs> uh, back to pick 11, there's a Hithlane Knots. Uh, Revive the Shire, not looking for that, unless I guess maybe you go Blue Red, Bath Song, Splash that. Uh, Oleg High Crusher and Escape from Orthanc. So where are you at going into pack three? As you said, lots to, to shore up here for Blue Red. Yeah, at the end of pack two, I think we're 100% to be Blue Red at this point. And I think we need cheap, aggressive cards and we need ring tempting. Like both of those things in spades to fill out our deck here. And then I clicked over to pack three, pick one right after typing that and saw that I selected a black card. And I was like, what? what was I doing? Yeah, it's it's tough, like especially because I think as you scan the first row of cards in the 17 lands replay, you're like, well, you're not really missing out on much. And then you get to the second row and you're like, buddy, there's a rally at the Hornburg here that's like just perfect chef's kiss for what your deck needs i mean it doesn't ring tempt but it's everything else your deck wants at the moment it is everything else my deck wants at the moment and i think what happened was this draft was a mess right like this draft has been a mess and i don't feel like my deck is any good at this point at the end of pack two and so i think i I hadn't take taken quite as clear of stock as where i was at and what i could be and what i needed and i think in my head i was thinking I need power level. Hmm. And I I saw a route where I could take Sauron and be blue black. And like, I hadn't seen much red in pack one. And I Mm -hmm. had, you know, gotten the early black and then seen the late blue. And I was thinking, okay, if I can get some, you know, a few good black cards early, like maybe I get past a Curbane, maybe I get past whatever, and then I can fill it out with blue. That's what happened in my head. But I think just looking at the cards I have at the end of the first two packs, I needed to like, put on my big boy pants and say, I am blue red. You know what I mean? Like, and just realize that I'm very close to a a good blue red deck and that rally is the perfect card to get me towards the blue red deck I want to get to. And I don't think we've shouted out specifically what this rare is. We're talking about it's Sauron the Necromancer, (laughs) three black, black, four, four menace. Uh, Whenever it attacks, you exile target creature card from your graveyard, create a tapped and attacking token. That's a copy of that card, except it's a three, three black wraith with menace. The beginning of the next end step, you exile that token unless Sauron is your ring bearer. Um, certainly powerful, but even if you do end up in blue black here, you just don't have the ring tempting to make this card as good as it should be, you know? Right. I agree. I've also played with this card a little bit more, and it's kind of whatever also. Like, it's not as good as I thought it was when I made this pick. Like, I've played with it two or three times since making this pick. Um, over the last five or six days. Yeah, I, I should have taken Rally here. That was a pretty big punt. Well, you get to make up for it in pack two, at least, and take a Rally at the Hornburg. Yeah, got over my mistake pretty quickly and took a Rally at the Hornburg here. And I think from this point on was pretty locked in. The, the draft is not super interesting past this point. I realized I should have been blue-red and just kind of stuck with it. So pick three, get a four of orcs, pick four battle-scarred goblin, pick up an Erebor Flamesmith, a Goblin Fire Leaper into Rohirrim Lancer. Like the, the draft is largely uninteresting other than a, a pick eight Smite the Deathless, which feels amazing, you know, after Red not feeling very open in pack one that it felt this open in pack two. So I, I think out of a tough spot, I, I made that one really big error. A second rally at the Hornburg would have been awesome for this blue red deck. But ultimately, I think out of a tricky draft, managed to navigate myself into uh, what looks like a playable deck. Like, again, we have these two goblin fire leapers, which are pretty bad. So if we run down, run down the deck, I guess, to kind of round things out here where we ended up um, a three and three record in the one drop slot had Rohirrim Lancer, Rangers, Firebrand, Stern, Scolding. In the twos, double battle scarred goblin, feel good about that. Double fire leaper, feel pretty poor about that in what looks to be a fairly blue red aggressive deck. Pelagir survivor, double knots, rally at the Hornburg and smite the deathless. Should have had a second rally at the Hornburg. In the threes, double gray havens navigator, a Haradrim spearmaster, book of Mazerbull. That's the other reason rally was so good right rally yeah. is insane with book like curving rally into book is such a strong start and yep. missed out on more chances to have that happen uh dreadful is a storm which is nice flames of an or treason of isengard and then in the fours an Olagai crusher the four four trample that's 
certainly not ideal. Neither is Treason of Isengard. Also, that doesn't really belong in this style of blue-red deck. Mm-hmm. Arwen's Gift, again, fine, not great. Four of Orcs, pretty good. But again, I don't have a lot of other amass to make foray much better than a four mana two two so even it is not ideal here and then double war beast again not really what you want in these blue red temp decks and not that i'm even a blue red temp deck i'm just kind of a deck full of blue and red acceptable cards <laughs> and, the, and then a lorian revealed in the five drop slot but I, I don't know that there were tons of roots better available to than than this no. in the draft you know i, I think you largely end up where you're supposed to i mean it's tough to say like ripples exist and had you you know maybe stuck to to black a little bit more in pack two could have gotten hooked up in pack three etc but i think largely without the rally pick I, I i like this uh the deck you ended up in yeah and i think important to note too that when maybe the the wheels feel like they're coming off or you're not sure what to do like Grixis is a pretty safe place to steer towards to get something going, right? Which was mm-hmm. what I felt like I needed. And, and I think blue-red, especially with as contested as black is these days. Am, am I allowed to say that I, dare I say, Gimli's Axe would have been pretty dang good in this no. deck? It's good with the Fire Leapers. It is good with the Fire Leapers. I'll give you that. Yeah. I, yeah, I might I might have played a copy of Gimli's Axe. That's how poorly this draft went. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Gimli's Axe can help. It's a team player. It lifts all, lifts all the other cards up around it. It's like the LeBron James of Magic the Gathering decks. You said it. You said it. <laughs> and our listeners heard it here first from you. All right. On that note, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to Cool Stuff, Inc. for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, which we really hope that you are doing, please use code LOL when you check out to not only let them know that we sent you over there, but to get 5%, a whopping 5% off anything you purchase. You can check out all of our content on our website, lordsoflimited.com. There's links to our tier list. Our tier list for the current set and tier lists for all sets of the past that we've done tier lists for as well. Um, there's links to our merch over at Tee Public. There's links to all of our episodes. There's links to our Patreon page and, of course, to our content on our streams and YouTube. All that stuff at lordsoflimited.com. If you have any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. So Took Lash there. So just to review here, we've got Took, Bite, Book, Arwen's <laughs> Gift, and Lash. Moving on to what? No, it that just like a helpful review. No, it was a great review. It just <laughs> seemed like one of those things, you know, where it's like, it's like change one letter in everything. You're like, we have Took, Book, Bite, Gift, Lash. <laughs> like, it's just, sorry. That's just a little, little uh, peek into what my brain's doing. What's going on, Pick Six?